Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, On today's program, we're going to talk about how the Democrats are trying to run on pro-abortion politics. Uh, coming this this upcoming midterm election. We're also going to talk about uh, how uh, an abortion provider wants to put a bubble around their abortion clinic to talk about this and other case matters. I have with us here on the show uh, Michael Peffer, who is a constitutional attorney who also heads up the Southern California office for PJI. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Brad. Great to be here. Uh, Michael, there's a lot of talk. Uh, after the oral argument in the Dodds case out of Mississippi, dealing with the law that restricts uh, abortions after 15 weeks of development. That's right. Uh, it was watched by the country, and there's a lot of concern from uh, Planned Parenthood and those who make a lot of money killing precious preborn babies. Right. Uh, and they want to be able to kill as many of these preborn babies as they can. So they're trying to stir up a lot of dust, aren't they? Sure in order are. to accomplish, uh, to, to try to have some pushback, I guess. Yeah, you know, obviously the left always governs from fear and they're trying to stir up the fear here that, oh my gosh, they say 21 states would automatically ban abortion. If, all, that's if? If, if, if the, the Supreme Court did away with Roe v. Wade and Casey, the, the, the two cases that have uh, allowed baby killing. Uh, but so there, this this Gutenmarker Institute, which is formerly a Planned Parenthood organization, now it's it's mm. related to Planned Parenthood. Gutenmarker being right. one of the found the presidents of of, of uh, Planned Parenthood, it's a but pro death organization, clearly. definitely yes. Okay, and so they're saying, oh my gosh, you know, it's it's like Chicken Little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. I think they want everybody to be panicked on this. I mean, you and I probably would agree, I'll take 21. That's great. That's good news. But people need to see this for really what it is. It's this pro-baby killing group that is trying to warn its followers that, hey, trouble is coming. Yeah, I think this is indicative of the fact that people on the left are scared that they have lost the the narrative of the issues and, and the discussions uh, for this upcoming midterm election next year. And I think they're afraid that they're going to uh, lose big time. So they're trying to find a way of how do we rally our troops yeah. to have a large voter turnout? How do we get uh, the women vote back to, to us? Right now, a lot of women and the, the female vote is shifted to the Republicans because the issue is parental rights. Right. And a lot of mama bears, whether they're Republican or Democrat, are really angry at this administration for policies that undermine the rights of parents, whether it's forced vaccinations or critical race theory in the schools in, in these kind of programs. Mm-hmm. So I think <clears throat> I personally think that the Democrats are going to try to use uh, whatever the Supreme Court comes down with uh, that's going to be presumably pro-life in a way to try to desperately rally their radical pro uh, pre-born baby killers uh, yes. to get to the polls and to say, women, this is about your rights. This is about your freedoms. Uh, forget the, the rights, your rights as a parent. Um, 
you need to stand up for your rights to be able to kill as many preborn babies as you want to want to and, and, right. and slit the throats of as many as you as you want. Yeah. I don't think that's going to fly. Yeah, I really don't either. So first of all, what we do know, the facts are, if Roe v. Wade is turn, overturned in this case, we do know this. States will likely get the right to set their own abortion terms, which could mean that many, I hope most states, say there's going to be more restrictions on abortion. It's about time. And we, we know that we know so much more about fetal development that obviously we believe there should never be an abortion. People should right. not kill babies. But here, so we know that, that if that happens, we're going to definitely see some states limit. We've seen Texas already attempting to limit this uh, to five to six weeks. Uh, we obviously have the case here in Mississippi that's 15 weeks. And there's other states who will do it. Whether there's 21 of those states out there, pure speculation and yeah. uh, ridiculousness by uh, the uh, Guttenmacher Institute. But the, the, the key is, is that when you listen to the arguments and really we've cautioned before about listening to the arguments and trying to speculate what the opinion will be. But I think we have some room for encouragement that we may see the end of Roe v. Wade, or we may see really the, the, um, the lowering of this so-called viability age or this age in which abortion is still allowed. We may see that going down from 24, 20 weeks to now maybe 15 weeks if, if, if that case gets up well. I think that that's, that's, the bet, that's the worst case scenario. The worst case is that it's going to be uh, brought back to 15 weeks. And I say yeah. the worst case because the best case is that they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade uh, completely, bring it back to the states. Um, legal, legal theorists from both the left and the right realize Roe versus Wade was a very poorly written, poorly rationalized case. Yeah. Is based on you know we don't know what the unborn is, we don't we don't know what's what you know what's exactly involved here, so we're gonna say women can kill it up until nine months. Yeah. I mean it, it was based it was irresponsible uh, ignorance, yes. <laughs> uh, basically. Yeah. So I think moving forward, uh, I think that there's a good chance that we're gonna see the best case, and they're gonna overturn Roe versus Wade. I think what they're gonna say is, I think Michael they're gonna say. We're not overturning Roe versus Wade. They'll say we recognize that a woman has a right um, to uh, to uh, decide procreation issues uh, over there and with regard to their body. I think what they will say is, however, that right is limited when it comes to another person's right to life. That's right. And that's a more fundamental right, and they can't over they can't in their own desire not to have a baby or not uh, thwart another person's uh, right to life. And I think what the court will say, who is a person? What is a person? That should be left up to the states. There's yeah. nothing in the Constitution for this court to make such a pronouncement. That's right. And that's what that's basically what Roe versus Wade did. They said, basically, they're, they're not a human being. They're not a person. Right. Even though there's a heartbeat, brainwaves, et cetera. We talked about this in earlier shows. So I think they're going to technically allow Roe versus Wade to remain, but practically it's going to be uh, the same as being overturned. It's going to bring it back to the states and the states can say, uh, we define personhood at this level, at birth, at conception, or excuse me, at conception, uh, when there's a heartbeat, whatever. 
And uh, and that's going to bring it back to we the people with our state legislatures and our propositions and initiatives being able to to have the final say. And we really should because we're talking about life and death, personhood of of human beings. Um, This is something that uh, should not be arbitrarily decided on by an oligarchy called the Supreme Court. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, it's obvious that the Supreme Court, if you read that case, the uh, Roe case, or even the, the, um, the case of Fall, the Casey, Casey case, uh, even if you read both of those, you realize that there's a lot of assumptions made that are, I believe, terrible assumptions. And I think it is time for us to, to reckon with the fact that the states already determine when life exists. They already determine that they decide what is murder, what is not murder. So this really was always a state's rights issue. This was always the state's ability to determine when it's murder and when it's not murder. And there really was no need for to have this federal right notwithstanding how everyone's clamoring about this and saying, oh, well, we're, we, we've got to have this right. No, it really was never a right. That was never there. And frankly, I thought that the the uh, def, uh, the plaintiffs in this case that's before the Supreme Court, I thought they were really were limited in their argument. They kept just, it's a woman's choice. It's a woman's choice. It's a woman's choice. Women get to choose. Women get to choose. There really is not a solid except for Roe v. Wade, a solid right to be found in the Constitution to kill babies. Right. Yeah, I I agree. And I think that at the very least, we'll see the Mississippi law upheld, uh, limiting abortions and preventing abortions after 15 weeks, uh, with the exception, I guess, of when a woman's life is in danger. Yeah. Uh, And then I think more likely we're going to find the Supreme Court effectively overturning Roe v. Wade Yes. And uh, for, for practical purposes, bring it back to the states. And I hope it's not just 21 states protecting the personhood of, and the life of, of preborn babies. I hope it goes up to 26. Yeah, me I too. hope it goes up to 50 someday. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, maybe we need revival and, mat- and repentance for something like that as a nation. I think we do need that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because there's we... some states that are going to need a lot of spiritual overhaul. That's right. California. Like California, New York, <laughs> yeah. Washington, Oregon. Yeah. Even Illinois with the big Chicago. And uh, they're very, very, very pro-death. Yes. Yeah, so time. Uh, we definitely need to have that. But uh, it's uh, I'm excited to see the other side screaming and yelling and howling. Me too. Because that's just another sign that we're about to have a final protection for the preborn babies to stop the slaughtering, to stop the genocide. Amen. And um, that can't would come soon. Enough. Cannot come soon enough. I agree. We've talked about transgender males uh, who, let's see, transgender biological males. That's right. We've talked about how they have been participating in female sports, you know, wrestling, weightlifting, well, here's another example of how yeah. this this radical policy saying we're going to wink wink and and just pretend that this person who says they feel like like who says they feel like they're a female, uh we're going to treat them like they're a female even though we all know they're not a female biologically. Exactly. Yep. Well, we have another case example uh that's popped up out of the University of Pennsylvania which I think is just another reminder of how actually un- unfair uh to to women this radical transgender movement has become. 
It, it really is. And, and this from the left that loves to tell us about science. Uh, we've got we've to follow the science. Well, if you follow the science on this issue, you know darn well. You could also follow common sense. You don't really need to go to science. But if you follow the science here, we know darn well. You either got an X and a Y chromosome or you have two Xs. No in-between, no, there, there, anything else is just a pure mutation and it's not good for the species. But even if we follow it, we, of course, believe that God created us, male and female. That's the final word on this subject. But here, this swimmer, this man who believes he's a woman, a transgender male, uh, uh, he is at the University of Pennsylvania and and the person, his name was Will Thomas. He swam for the men's team previously, uh, but now he swims on the women's team and against only other biological women. So here we have this man who formerly swam perhaps to average results for uh, the men's team, but now became a transgender male who's really a male and now he's setting the world on fire in the women's swim world. So a transgender biological male yep. is cleaning the clock of all these women and winning freestyles in, in terms of the 100, the 200, the 500 meter freestyle events and, uh, and the free relay event, breaking the University of Pennsylvania's previous records in some cases. Now this, this male, biological male, um, he wasn't the top of his swimming team among the males, was he? No, he wasn't. He, he had an average career, I think this, this article uh, says. Uh, so and he was an average swimmer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and look. But now he's winning because he says he <laughs> feel, right. feels like he may actually have dysphoria. Yeah, he may. He may have that mental condition where he sees himself as a female. But the fact he has dysphoria doesn't mean the rest of society has to have dysphoria. It doesn't mean the rest of society has to... Uh, you know, punish females to have to compete with them, someone who has biological male advantages. Yeah. I think it's very important that people see this because if anything else, this is a study in, in why this is so unfair. No one believes that when this guy became a transgender male and started swimming against female, nobody believes he suddenly became a better swimmer. <laughs> he he's still the same swimmer right. and in, in the male world he was average fine there's nothing wrong with being average you work hard it takes a lot to compete in collegiate uh, swimming but no one believes he boom all of a sudden he decided he's a woman he became a better swimmer so we are left with the the very unavoidable conclusion that he's winning because he's a man competing against women and we know that science tells us there are clear biological differences in male, between male and female, even if it's only the presence of the, the amount of testosterone that our cells are bathed in as males as compared to women. Yeah, in fact, the average male has uh, 10 times or nine times the testosterone of a female. Yeah. And that gives a, an advantage for muscular skeletal differences. Um, and just there's there's so distinct. That's why we have female co competition. Yes, because females have a major biological disadvantage. That's right. Over males. That's, That's why right. we have separate female sports. Yeah. Uh, this situation, as I understand it, uh, involves a, this this uh, this biological male who took uh, a hormone blockers, testosterone, yes. I guess, uh, male hormone blockers for yes. a year. 
Right. So the argument was, well, look, he lowered his testosterone. Well, he still has an, an overwhelming advantage because the, the muscle tissue, the muscle fibers that he has, uh, to, you know, over the last years that they've developed and built still puts him at a, a very high advantage over females, even if he did take testosterone blockers. It doesn't right. negate the advantage that he has over women. Well, and, and, and the interesting thing is to look at this from plain facts. We don't really need the fact that we, because we know that biologically men are different. The amount of testosterone is different. We know that. The reason we need women's sports is because we know, not because women are inferior, but because women compete at a different level because of the lack of testosterone, that doesn't mean there's not some excellent women collegiate uh, uh, swimmers or other sports. It just means they compete at a different level. And that's why we've had it separate. But here, the, the, just for example, uh, this, the, the, the second fastest woman in this 200 free time um, was 6.1 seconds behind his time. That's a lot. That, that's a lot of time in a, in a collegiate race. Uh, but it's nonetheless a clear advantage for this person. Yeah. Now, we know a number of states uh, are trying to follow the President Biden's edict and pronouncement ordering that uh, transgender biological males be allowed to compete in women's sports. Uh, a number of states have stood up to that. The, the good thing I like this report is the fact that uh, our office, uh, with the work of Ray Hackey, attorney Ray Hackey, who heads up our, our organ office, That's right. he's worked on a con very concerted effort with a number of state legislatures across the country uh, to pass legislation that says biological males cannot compete in sports and competitions with biological females. That's right. uh, you know, unless it's a co-ed competition, which very few are for obvious reasons. Um, they, they cannot allow that. And I think that's really had a big impact that we've, what we've been able to accomplish at PJI uh, at the legislative level among these states. Absolutely. And I, I think it's, it's something that the American people uh, expect. The American people, I look at this as the emperor has no clothes doctrine. <laughs> yes, indeed. We're also supposed to pretend that something is there that isn't there. That's right. You know, or is not there that is there. I mean, we're all supposed to just sort of pretend that's right. And it's and the average American doesn't want to have to pretend anything and say, no, we need to look at truth and reality in order to, to ensure that we're being fair to everyone involved when it comes to athletic competition. And I think that applies to other aspects of, of life as well. Absolutely. And, and can you imagine how far we've come where uh, we basically stopped caring about the women. I'm not saying we, PGI cares greatly about these issues, and that's why uh, Ray Hackey has been so aggressive on this. But the, the collegiate estate, if you will, they don't care about women. They're simply saying, hey, so what? This person is uh, claims they're a woman, so therefore they can compete on that level. But it clearly leaves behind women who deserve to have a collegiate career in sports, who deserve to have a collegiate career, for instance, in the Olympics or other massive uh, contests where they are tested against other women who don't have the superiority uh, uh, in terms of, of a competition of testosterone. 
massive amounts of testosterone, even if it was for your whole life up until the time you started competing as a woman. Yeah. Well, uh, I know that uh, Europe has been uh, famous for engaging in some of these uh, outrageous politically correct uh, endeavors. But one thing that they have uh, also been doing is they've been making life very uncomfortable for people who choose not to be vaccinated. That's right. You know, for whatever reason. Um, and yet uh, we're seeing it. So it's so like one country following another. First, we heard about Germany. Yep. So German, you know, Chancellor Merkel came out and said, if you're not vaccinated, then and you haven't had COVID. So she at least acknowledged that people who have COVID have a strong immunity, don't need a vaccination. Thank God for that. Yeah, that was that was big. But she said, but if you don't fit in one of those two categories, vaccination, vaccinated or have had COVID, then uh, you are going to be shut down, uh, unvaccinated. You can do certain things, go to certain places just to survive, but you're going to be basically shunned from a free society and to be able to have the freedom to live your life in the nation of Germany. Yes. Well, now it looks like another nation is following suit. Yes. Sadly, Italy has uh, made this turn. And to me, it's unthinkable, really, because before I would say, oh, what's the big deal? You got to stay at home. But these folks, it's, it's coming up to the holidays. They don't get to go to any holiday functions, no theaters, no, no um, out to eat with their friends. They can only go to things like the market and, and uh, get their food. I'm surprised they even let them do that now with the advent of delivery services. I'm sure they have the delivery services as much as we do. But... Um, this is really incredibly uh, dangerous, uh, this notion that they can say, hey, you either get this vaccine, uh, and and with all of its ridiculousness, this vaccine certainly is not the cure-all. Uh, people that are vaccinated get the disease uh, um, almost as much, if not as same amount, as unvaccinated people. So it's really, uh, it's really crazy that they're going to have to have this pass that says, okay, I got vaccinated in order to, to live in a free society, as you call it. Yeah, in order to, to go to a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, it says here also to uh, go to concerts, movies, performances. Um, I would presume probably a workout gym. Yeah, I would. Suspect. I mean, I would, I would presume that there, I mean, people to live a, a healthy, regular life, uh, they're going to have to be vaccinated, even if it's something that they are convinced is not healthy to, for them and uh, or is something that they have a strong conviction, religious conviction against. That's right. There's, there's no accommodation for that. It's be vaccinated or live like a second-class citizen. Yes. That's basically what they're saying in Germany. And mm -hmm. I, I, I think this is, is something people should be outraged over. Uh, and, and now it's, they're also saying it in Italy. Yes. And I, I understand there's been a lot of people protesting. Uh, more than the United States, in fact. Exactly. Yeah, I think people there realize what a problem this is. I, I mean, frankly, it's really insensitive of Germany to do this for for what has happened in their history, that you're taking this class of people and mm -hmm. saying, you've got to stay home. You've got to stay in your area. Um, and I think it's it's just a dangerous thing to to happen, particularly in light of the fact that that this is not the answer for this problem. The problem is we have to learn to adapt to it. We can't keep pushing people out of the mainstream because the, the 
the most virologists believe we're going to be stuck with some form of the coronavirus forever. And, and we have to learn to live with that and treat it, not cause people to be pushed off to the side as if they're, they're second class citizens. Everyone has the freedom to have a vac- the vaccine. Yeah. And if you have the vaccine, then presumably you're protecting yourself, although the vaccine is waning. Yes. Uh, but you can get a booster. And so everyone has that freedom to do what's necessary to protect themselves. Yes. And the government's attitude is like, you need to be vaccinated for the sake of others. Well, wait a minute. That's like saying you need to wear a thick fur coat in the winter to protect your neighbor from catching, from That's getting right. sick. It's so no, illogical. your neighbor doesn't want to get sick. They wear their fur coat. Absolutely. That's a free society. If people don't want to take a, you know, the risk of they're afraid of the, the latest, you know, uh, Variant coming down the Delta with the Delta or the late the next one the Omicron, they can be vaccinated. Yeah, that's right. So it, it's it's actually uh, void of logic from a, a human rights civil rights perspective, completely void of logic, and it's and it's like the so many people are swallowing the pill. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, there you have it. It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brian Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.